my name is Dr. Kim Farina, and I'm a veterinarian and host of Pause and Reflect with Zoetis, provided to you by Zoetis Pet Care. Welcome to season seven. As promised, we will continue to cover a potpourri of topics that are important to succeed and be happy in veterinary medicine. We will also continue to focus on corporate veterinary practice. So for veterinarians who work in these special groups, this will be super helpful. Season seven has not one, but three episodes covering everything from communication basics to collaborative communication between referring veterinarians and specialty and emergency teams. What a combo plate. I would order one of those, definitely. Today's episode focuses on client-centered communication to help specialty and emergency teams build trusting relationships. Our guest today is Dr. Jimmy Barr, a criticalist and the chief medical officer for Blue Pearl. He oversees the medical operations of over 100 practices. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So let's start. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I just want to start out and say thanks for the opportunity to have me. I've really enjoyed your podcast. I watch them myself. And so it's really a thrill for me to be on. So thanks for having me. Um, so I'm uh, originally from Louisiana. Um, I am uh, went to LSU, go Tigers, uh, for both undergrad and vet school. Um, you know, I just, I wanted to be James Harriet when I was in, you know, was in vet school. I wanted to, you know, attract mixed animal, but I um, wasn't sure about, you know, specialty or anything like that. So I went out to general practice. So I was in general practice for three years, um, enjoyed it immensely, found out the part that I loved the most about practice was the emergency and critical care part. So treating the sick ones. And so went and did a residency at Angel in Boston, a wonderful experience there, um, you know, and got, you know, got a great education um, and then was uh, my first job out of residency was actually at Florida Veterinary Specialist, which uh, eventually became Blue Pearl. Um, I, I left that place to because I, I got the call to teach. I, I really felt that was a strong pull for me and um, was at Texas A&M for eight years and loved that place. Wonderful place. I'll always be an honorary Aggie. Um, so I uh, appreciate that so much. But um, came back to Blue Pearl um, uh, and have... Uh, just thoroughly enjoyed, um, you know, the impact we've been able to have on the, on the industry and been in the chief medical officer role for about three years now. So I've had a lot of different experiences um, and, and it's uh, an interesting thing to um, be able to see from different contexts about, you know, kind of that client interaction, how important that is, especially when uh, when you're dealing with the emergency setting, because that's a really tough thing to, to go through because of you know, a number of different factors that we'll dig into today. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's start digging. Let's get yeah. two shovels. All right, here yeah. we go. So what are some of the unique challenges you've seen with clients in an ER situation, just general situation? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's so many because the, the presentations of an ER setting is so varied. Um, but, you know, the, the, the client-centered things that you, you will deal with are, you know, this is almost always an emotionally charged situation, right? It's, it's unexpected for the clients. It's can be scary for them. You know, they're concerned about, you know, um, you know, the, the, the financial health of their families. Right. I mean, but, but they're also worried about their pet. I mean, something unexpected has happened. Like this is an emergent situation. And so they're not expecting to be there with you. Um, and so, because of that, this that poses a lot of challenges that you know have to be thought about and dealt with when when you're you know making that connection with the client, um, 
you know, you don't have the luxury of having years of experience with those people and, you know, being able to sort of draw upon a previous relationship, you have to connect with them right away. Um, and, and doing that can be a challenge, um, in this setting, but it's, it's just, it's never expected. And, and it's something that it, it creates a lot of, there are a lot of other emotions that are woven into the conversation. Yeah. And I, I want to talk more about that, but let's, yeah. let's talk about COVID because how have yeah. these challenges or dynamics changed during, during COVID? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's really been interesting. I mean, because, you know, I, I don't think any of us ever would have anticipated that we would have had to have changed the way we practice, you know, for so, for so long. And I, I think uh, it's, it's affected all areas of veterinary medicine, but it's especially problematic in the emergency setting because you oftentimes, you know, have to make that connection with people and, and, and create that space. You can have these frank conversations without the aid of that long-term relationship. It's got to be done over the phone <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's not done face to face and, you know, you have your pet and you're there and, and you, you miss out on a lot of those nonverbal communication skills. You know, you, you, as you communicate your empathy for the situation, oftentimes that's done through your body language and that's that part's missing. And so I am, um, you know, it's it's in a unique challenge um, from that perspective because you it, it, it just creates, you know, you have to do it through your tone of voice and what you say to your clients rather than, you know, you know, potentially a you know, touch on the shoulder or, you know, a head tilt, you know, things that actually have people and to understand that um, you actually are really invested in that conversation and what what they're talking about and, and their fears and validating them, all those different things. Right, right. And, you know, just a few minutes ago, you were talking about how emotionally charged the situation can be. Okay. And, you know, emotions are just so heightened in emergency cases. Yeah. So what tips do you have for new ER doctors to help them navigate these, you know, emotionally charged, intense situations? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, th there are a lot of my, the first thing I would say is to assess yourself, assess yourself about how you're feeling about these conversations and about how, you know, you may have five things happening at that one point, but you know, your touch point with those clients at that moment the only touch point that they have, right? So you have a ton more. That's the only touch point that they have. And as you're having the conversation with them and, and need to make that connection, you need to be your best self. So take a second before you jump on the phone with them or, you know, in a normal circumstance before you get into a room with clients, um, just take assessment of what your own sort of emotional situation is at that moment. Um, and the recognition of that will allow you to kind of grab a little bit of distance from that. Um, I think, um, making that connection with clients is important. Um, and it's important because they, um, uh, the emotions that are associated with this oftentimes are because they are, um, scared, right? They're scared of, of what's happening and they're scared of how, um, what's going to happen with their pet. Um, and that sometimes can be communicated as anger towards you. And you have to make sure that you, you need to make, as you sort of have a little bit of distance with that situation, keep a little bit of emotional distance there, it will allow for you to be able to see that for what it is uh, and then depersonalize that anger that's associated with it. And so 
when you do that, that that can then you can then convey your empathy for the situation, which is very important to do. Um, you also want to validate their feelings. So meaning I understand that this is really unexpected for you or you're nervous about what's happening. These are the things that I think are you know important to make that connection. Um, the last thing I would say is to get the details right. Okay. Make sure that you get the sex of the patient right. Make sure you have their name correct. Make sure that you know what's happening with them um, because that that actually can erode trust more than you actually understand. Um, you know, if you call a, you know, a he, a she, um, you know, people can say, you know, are you even talking about the same pet? And, and that, that, that may not be necessarily really important at all to the case, but it is important to them. And so that's the only thing I would say in relation to that. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And so it sounds like just inserting that space or that time to assess how you're feeling actually does a multitude of things to help really get a good outcome. Absolutely. Big time. And it, it just, it allows you to take a look just, just, and it doesn't have to be long, you know, it could just be 10 seconds, just a deep breath, reset yourself, assess where you are. And then you can, then you can kind of compensate for whatever your emotional state is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually smiling about the, you know, making sure you get the pet's name right and the gender and so forth. I think that's so key because I used to, um, joke and say, you know, and say like, you know, clients don't know how good a a surgeon you are on the inside, but they see the surgical clip on the outside. And if that's not neat, there's a whole lot of judgment going on just on how nice that rectangle is or something. That's right. right. Or how good your suture line looks. Exactly. So it's those little things that actually matter that we may be like, Oh, what's, what's the big deal, but actually it's huge. So yeah, yeah. It it definitely matters to them. So just, just get the details right. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about intense emotions and, you know, for many pet owners, it's hard for them to focus when they have this sick pet in front of them. And, and they, I don't even know if they can process information in that state. So, so how do you make this work well? You know, that's not easy. I mean, the, the estimates of, of what people actually you know, hear from you is, I mean, is in, can sometimes be in the single digit percentage, you know, I mean, it, it, it is, is not very much. I mean, you have to reiterate and make, you know, I've learned the hard way throughout a bunch of years of, of talking with clients about how little they do kind of understand, um, you know, and, and the, the key part is checking in with them frequently. Um, I think setting up the conversation, especially when you have to give bad news, I think setting the table just a little bit by saying phrases like, um, I have some hard news to tell you, or this is not going to be easy to hear, but, um, because that, that kind of gets people mentally prepared and, and to be able to listen to you a little bit, bit better, um, checking in with them frequently, making sure that they if they have any questions or understand where you are, um, you know, pausing to say, you know, I know this is a lot of information that I've given you, but, you know, is there anything that you don't understand or you want me to clarify? Also very helpful. Um, the thing that I've found to be the most helpful is at the end, you know, when you're kind of done with your conversation about, you know, all of your your, your physical exam findings, what you want to go to happen with your, you know, 
workup, your diagnostic plan, your treatment plan, um, is to check in with them and have them repeat back to you what they understand. That that actually is really helpful, but not and not not verbatim. Just it just will give you a feeling of, you know, you say, well, well, Miss Jones, how do you feel about all of this? And you know, what's your understanding of what's going on? And and they'll they'll freely give it to you, and then they'll discover where they have holes, and then you can fill that in. I think that part is extremely helpful. Um, the other is the last part. I think is is don't make this too complicated. You know, I think one of the mistakes that young veterinarians will make oftentimes is that they'll give owners just this sort of smorgasbord of options uh, and say, well, we could do this, this and this. And there's lots of different paths and there are a lot of different paths, but you, you need to kind of direct them a little bit. You know, uh, let the client tell you or, or you get a feeling from them about what they need. You know, do they need something that is, you know, more directive. So do they need you to tell them what to do? Some clients need that, you know, you, you need to tell them this is the right thing. Um, but also some clients, you know, you need to work out, you know, especially with finances and things like that to figure out what, what's the sort of the right treatment option. So don't give them a ton of options, just give them several kind of plans. You know, we can kind of do these things, um, and then talk about the algorithm that you're going to go through in your mind, um, especially when you're seeking to be efficient in your practice. Uh, it's not very efficient for you to do one test and then check in with the client and then do another test, then check in with the client, do another test. You say, we're going to do this set of things. And based on these findings, I'll come back and then we'll have another decision making process that that actually is the best use of the time there. Mm -hmm. So being clear about that communication throughout their, their the process and throughout the the exam is really important. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I love yeah. how you're talking about setting the table at the beginning and then yeah. having them repeat back or at least check their understanding um, on the back, you know, on the, the final end, um, I think are really some nice bookends on, yeah. on how to make this as successful as possible, which yeah. is Yeah. And you don't great. want it to be, you don't, you don't want to feel scripted, right? You, you right. don't want it to feel like I want to do this and this and this, you, you, you want it to, to flow naturally, but you know, they need that. I mean, this right. is an emotionally charged situation. And so they're not, they're not thinking um, correctly. And so, you know, in a lot of circumstances, um, so yeah. you just, just checking in with them makes it work. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, talking about, again, emotionally charged situations, in the emergency room, there's an increased amount of pet loss, which research has shown leads to high rates of compassion fatigue and burnout within our profession, as we know. So what advice do you have for ER vets to stay mentally well? Yeah. You know, it that, that can be hard because inherently veterinarians are incredibly, and technicians, all of us that are in the veterinary world are incredibly empathic individuals, right? You, you oftentimes, and empathic to a point where you're almost taking responsibility for, you know, what has kind of happened in that circumstance. And I think that it's, it's a, it's a great thing for us to be able to connect with clients and to, to be able to do our best. But when that's not checked well, it, uh, it makes us, um, vulnerable to, you know, being injured ourselves. And, and so I think you need to practice having a little bit of healthy distance between yourself and the situation. And, and the way that I 
did and do that um, is to actually make sure that I repeat to myself and understand that I, I wasn't the one that caused this issue, right? So I'm not, I'm not responsible for the pet being sick. Um, and when you do that, that, that puts you in that position to where you're only there to help the situation, right? And that, that helps you, you know, that helps you to, to help to guide the client through it. Um, especially when a client is, you know, angry or seemingly at you, but they're just kind of angry that they're frustrated that their pet is sick. It allows you to be able to kind of say, okay, well, I'm here to help the situation and I'm, I'm only here. I didn't cause it, but I'm here to help. Um, and sometimes that help is euthanasia, right? I mean, you know, our, our charge veterinarians is just to relieve suffering. Sometimes that is done as a, as, as a treatment really, um, to, to, to relieve suffering and euthanasia is there. Um, but you know, it's, 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 it's not easy to do. Um, but, but if you have a little bit of distance from it, kind of understand you're not responsible for the reason of how they got into that position actually really helps you, um, to, to kind of make it not hurt so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't think I've heard that before. That's, that's mm -hmm. a great way of doing some self, um, Self-protection is not really, I don't know if that's the right word, but just yeah. enough to, as you, we were talking about, distancing yourself so you're not so close and intimately yeah. tied to it. That doesn't mean you don't have to to be, to be feel sorry for what yes. the situation, right? I mean, it just right. realizes that you're not, you, you don't have to take on that emotional baggage of, of that situation. You can still be kind. You can still be caring. Yeah. You can still be empathic with the owner, but you don't have to take responsibility for that. And I think that's, that's where we fall down as, as veterinarians and that it, it causes injury. I mean, clearly does. I mean, just based on, you know, everything that we can kind of understand about the mental, mental well-being of, you know, our fellow veterinarians and technicians. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So up ahead, I want to talk about trust. But first, it's actually time for a pause and reflect with Zoetis quiz. So we always like to test our guests' knowledge on a topic that actually has nothing to do with veterinary medicine. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zoetis has recently moved up the ranks on the Fortune 500 list. And so this episode's quiz is called Rank This. So I'm going to ask you some questions about rankings. And all you have to do is give me the answer. Now, I have a bell for positive reinforcement. And of course, our producer, Max, will play like cheering sound effects when you get the answer right. But right. If, you, if you look around me, there's nothing to stress about. I have no prizes. Okay. You know, I've got nothing. So it's just fun. Okay. Are you up for it? I'm up. I'm game. All right. Very cool. Here we go. All right. Question one. Starting off easy. What mountain ranks number one as the tallest in the world? That would be Mount Everest. Very nice. Very good. You can come in. What was the most popular baby name of 2020? The boy and the girl name. 2020. Um, I would say the boy, Peyton. No. Uh, and well, that's, uh, that's uh, let's see. Okay, that's your answer. No. Uh, yeah, that's it. And then the girl, uh, Michaela. No, no. no. Um, I, so how about I give you a clue just to see if you might be able to get it. The boy's <laughs> right. name rhymes with Neum. 
Liam. Very good. All right, yeah. All right, for the girl, it starts with the letter O. It's not Olga. Um, and I think if I give you this clue, you'll get it. Blank Newton John. Olivia. Very nice. Wow. <laughs> I would not have gotten that in a million years, so thanks oh. for the clue. <laughs> what is the most common word in the English language? Most common word. Be the one that's spoken the most or that's yes. that uttered the word the most? The? Are you saying the, T-H-E? The. Yeah, T-H-E. You are correct. And I there was trying to give you a clue. That's why I repeated the question because I was trying to slow down on the the. So you maybe it. would get it, but you got there it. You go. Very nice. And I didn't, right. didn't get the hint, by the way, but I appreciate <laughs> the effort. So who tops the list as the most popular Disney princess in America? Elsa? No, no. Do you want to try again? Uh, mm. like, Cinderella? Very good. I was just about <laughs> to sing. The okay, right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very good. So, um, you know who the most forgotten princess is? And I imagine you probably forgot her. I don't. I don't I'd have boys, not girls. So, okay. It's, it's, so, yeah. just so you know, it's um, Princess Tiger Lily from Peter Pan. I would have never gotten that, but, you there know, a go. day without learning is a day wasted. So, there you go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Have you had enough? Yes. I mean, yeah, sure. All right. I'm All paying right. for anything. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. So let's talk about trust. Building relationships and establishing trust is important in the veterinarian client relationship. So how do you build trust? And we were talking about this earlier when you have minutes, not years to establish that connection. Again, we talked about it earlier, but let's let's dive deeper into that. I am never afraid in in rooms to um, give personal examples, you know, share my experience. um, and I think that that really goes a long way with clients when they kind of understand, you know, when you do that, especially in the, in the topic of euthanasia, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people sort of shy away from having that conversation about themselves. I, I always found it helpful to talk about my own experiences with euthanasia, my own pets. It was hard to talk about certainly around the time I, I can tell you uh, for sure, but, um, it, definitely helped me to connect with clients, you know, and, and connecting and having them understand that you're on their side and that you're there to help no matter what that thing is. And, and it, you might be able to have very, it might be very hard conversations. You might have to change their mind about something. You have to, you know, get them to see something that they're not understanding. Um, but if you're empathic, if they understand that you're on their side, uh, that trust is, it, you know, it is, it's hard to, um, not have when, whenever they understand when you're that way, I mean, they're, they're coming to you for help. You validate that you, you connect with them are empathic to them. Um, then you'll have that. We mentioned it very early about finances and they can be tricky to talk about. And yeah. again, we're talking about being in an ER situation when you don't have the relationship with the client and emotions are at like a level 3000. So what do you do when you have to then talk about the financial part of this? Yeah, boy, that, that is a difficult, I, 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 I hearken back to 
when I was in general practice, you know, I had wonderful mentors in general practice and that, that were early on in my career, very fortunate to have um, a, a, a great mentor that really helped me a lot in um, actually how to have that conversation with clients about finances. And he, he was like, you know, you just need to look at yourself in the mirror and practice actually saying the words, you know, about that, that things were going to be expensive. Um, you know, for me, I thought it, it's been helpful to, to kind of reflect on, you know, your own value, you know, that you have a lot of value that you're bringing to that. Um, but, but the most important thing is to kind of realize that the, the, separate the medicine from the from the finances as much as you can you know you you uh, the prices are what they are and you you didn't actually make the pet sick that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to find an alternate pathway you know if they can't afford the you know the the a plan you know you need to come up with a b and a c plan to try to try to do that and as you go along and i i think that um, if you have to do those things uh come up with lower cost plans in order to you know, try to get the patient better. Um, try not to judge that. You know, I, I think, you know, don't prejudge when you're going into a conversation with clients about, about finances. I've had folks that have uh, not, not appeared like they've had any money at all and have had no problem paying anything. And then I've had folks that clearly that, that could, but they just weren't willing to do. And you have to remove your own judgment from that. Yeah. Well, I think you brought up an excellent point about the judgment. It's like just refrain from judgment and the medicine is the medicine and the finance yeah. is the finance. And that's what it is. Yeah, so it is what it is. Bringing it up early, yeah. um, even with that ballpark, I thought it is just a superb, uh, superb tip. So yeah. we actually have to stick a fork in this episode. We are just about done, but right. I have one last question for you. Okay, so we have interviewed many emergency veterinarians on this podcast, and we have heard some incredibly funny stories from the trenches. And I thought, would you like to share one of yours? I was a general practitioner in in Houston, Texas, and so this is right after graduation. So, meaning this was the summertime. So this is July. Um, you know, I'm wearing a shirt and tie. You know, really, you know, good. And I was going through and trying to build my client clientele, and there was a a, a patient that actually needed an at-home euthanasia, right? So it was, it was not in the hospital, but an at-home euthanasia um, and got a, you know, a, a, a technician. We gathered up some stuff. We weren't really kind of prepared for that. We didn't do that very often, but then I went, you know, to the, the client's house and walked in and it was a really, you know, sort of dark, you know, house. And, you know, the only real sort of setup I got was that the dog had an oral tumor and that, you know, that, you know, they were ready for euthanasia. And so I went, went in and it's kind of a dark house and went to the kitchen and, and found this pet that was just lying in a pool of blood, with this giant oral tumor. And, you know, and, and clearly, and it was in hemorrhagic shock. I mean, it was tachycardic. It was, you know, tough. And we, we, uh, you know, of course we were like, okay, well, this you know, clearly is you know, time for this pet. And the owners were very distraught. The euthanasia actually went very well. So we just did butterfly sedated, you know, and, you know, youth not the pet owners were very emotional, very, I mean, just, just grief stricken over their pet. And I, you know, felt so bad for them and kind of pulled back and were gathering our things and they were spending time with the pet. And I, I said, well, is there anything else I can do for you? And he, and, and he looked up at me, you know, with tears, you know, strolling, strolling down, streaming down his face. And he says, yes, you could help me dig the hole. 
And I said, no. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. And he said, he said, yeah, you, you can help me dig the grave. And I said, um, okay. And then my, you know, I looked at the technician and we're like, well, okay. You know, so it can't be that bad. And we go outside and, uh, <laughs> and he hands me a camping shovel and a hoe, you know, a hoe that you would dig in the, in the garden. Um, and, uh, and we dug the hole. And we actually, we, we had a little funeral there for the dog in the backyard. And then, uh, and then, uh, and then we went about our day. Uh, we were, it was hot as can be, but, uh, just the moral of the story is be careful what you ask for. If you say, if there anything can do, you should be willing to, to follow through. So to do it. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Has it yeah. ever happened since? No, no, I've, I've, I've stopped asking questions like that in at-home euthanasia, so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Barr, for joining us today. It was wonderful to have you on the show. So thank you. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Thanks for, thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> this is the third episode of Season 7 of Pause and Reflect from Zoetis, but I see another season. No, it's not a smudge on my screen. It's right there over some mountains and through some woods. I guarantee it. It's there. So subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to, and you will be notified when it launches. I'm Dr. Kim Farina, and this has been Pause and Reflect with Zoetis.